Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Amma ba'd assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Allahumma anfa'na bima alamtana Wa'allimna ma yanfa'una Wa'urzuqna ilman tanfa'una bih Amin ya rabbal alamin Alhamdulillah Thumma alhamdulillah uh, We reach the next lesson Of al-lu'lu'ul maknun the hidden or the cherished pearls of the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Last week, our story, we carried on and we spoke about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's return to his mother, Amina. We spoke about her death. We spoke about visiting her qabr. And we spoke about many things. We spoke about his guardianship under Abdul Muttalib. And how he loved the Prophet and how affectionate he was towards his beloved grandson. And then we spoke about Abu Talib. Um, and we also spoke about the Prophet as a shepherd and how all of the Anbiya was a shepherd and the benefits of this. And the last point that we spoke about was, the two points was the Prophet being present in Harbul uh, Fijar, the Battle of Fijar, where he was sharpening and providing them with arrows and so forth for the Quraysh. And then we spoke about the Hilful Fudul, that he was also present in this alliance, this pact of Al Fudul that the Quraysh you know, had. Um, and that they came together and decided that they are going to stand up against oppression and they will be you know, united against oppression and so forth. Um, so today we move on to the next topic in the book, which is Khurujur Rasuli sallallahu alayhi wa sallama bitijarati khadijata radiyallahu anha. It is the departing of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama um, for the business of Khadijah radiyallahu anha. So when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama reached the age of 25, he went out to Sham on behalf of Khadija radiallahu anha. Khadija bint Khuwailid. Khadija, the daughter of Khuwailid, was a woman who was known for her nobility. And she was also known for her wealth. And what she used to do was is, she used to employ men, hire some men, and provide them with wealth to go out and do business. And when they returned back with the goods and with the profits and so forth, she would then give them a share. You understand? So she would give them the money to go out and do the business or provide them with you know, uh, uh, merchandise and so forth. And whatever profits was made, they then get a, get a share. Understand? Um, <clears throat> and so when... She learned about the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. At the time, of course, he was not the messenger. But she heard about this man, Muhammad. And she heard about his truthfulness in his speech. That he was never a person who lied. She learned about a man who was extremely upright. And he had the best moral character in terms of his amana. He was a man who stood by his amana. He never broke his trust. He fulfilled his responsibilities and he had the best of akhlaq <coughs> when she learned about this individual 
she sent for him. She sent for him because she understood this is the best of people for me to employ. And for her business to thrive, this, these are the type of people that she needs to be working for her. Um, so when she you know, eventually sends for him, um, she offers him this, this job. And of course he accepts from, from her. Right? In the riwayah, there is a riwayah from Abu Talib that he said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I am a man who has no wealth. Right? We know he was the guardian of the Prophet at this time. And he says to him, I am a man who, and I have no wealth. And also, times have become extremely tough for us. Times have become extremely difficult for us. And these are our people. Um, these are our people. And he encourages the Prophet and him to go out to Sham. And he informs him about Khadija. Radiallahu anha, who is searching for a man, who is looking for workers to employ, to send out, you know, with her caravan. This is what they used to call it, the caravan. With You know, the caravan in terms of camels. And with the supplies the camels used to walk with and so forth, she's looking for somebody. And so he says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you approached her, or if, you, if she was to find you, or come across you, after she's heard about you, she's, she's learned about you, She's heard about your purity. She's heard about your virtue over others. Then she would definitely employ you. And this is something that you need to do. So he's encouraging the Prophet wasallam, you know, to go out and work and also to get to this woman particularly. So when eventually they meet, the Khadija sends for him and she meets him. She says to him, I will give you double what any other man gives you from your people. Yani if you were to earn so much for a particular job, I will give you double what you earn. And so Abu Talib says to him, This is wealth that Allah has surely sent for you. Abu Talib says to him, This is this is only risk that comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah has sent this for you. And so he of course accepts this from Khadija. And he goes out to Sham with one of her servants, a boy or a man by the name of Maysarah. A boy or a man by the name of Maysarah. He was one of her, her servants. And as they are about to depart, his uncles, I remember, the grandfather left him to, the, to his uncles, and especially Abu Talib. So his uncles, they come out to him and they see him off. And they also speak to the rest of the caravan. Yani those who are part of this group, they all speak to them and they tell him, look, look after this, this son of ours, this nephew of ours, make sure he's taken care of and make sure you assist him and so forth. And so they go out. Maysarah and Rasulullah in charge of this positions and this wealth of Khadija radiallahu anha, they go all the way to Sham and they reach a place called Busra. Busra in Sham. And they arrive at their destination and they sit under a tree and a monk again comes out to them. His name was Nastur. A monk by the name of Nastur. He comes to Maysarah and he says to him, 
Who is this individual? Who is this man that's sitting underneath this tree? That came with you, you know? Who is this individual? And so Mayasara says to him, This is a man from Quraysh. He's from Ahlul Haram. He's from the people of the Haram. And so the monk says, مَا نَزَلَ تَحْتَ هَذِهِ الشَّجَرَةِ قَطْ إِلَّا نَبِيٌ And he says that no person has sat beneath this tree at this moment, referring to this moment, except a prophet. Except a, a prophet. And so Maysara, or he says to Maysara, أَفِي عَيْنِهِ حُمْرَةِ Is there any redness in his eyes or in his eye? He says, yes, and that redness never goes away. And then this monk says, He is a prophet and he is the, the last of the prophets. Remember these monks, they had certain scriptures and they had certain things that have come through towards them from the previous scriptures. So they knew of the coming of the, of the Prophet just like the story of Bahira. Similarly, he could, he could see. You know, we spoke about the seal of prophethood and so forth. And then the Prophet wasallam, he sold what he had come with of merchandise and so forth. And there was a man who actually had a dispute with him. There was a man who had a dispute with the Prophet wasallam. There was some dislike that happened between them. And this man said to him, Ihlif billati wal-uzza. Swear by Allah and Al-Uzza, who were the false gods and idols that these people used to worship at the time. So he says to the Prophet swear by Allah and Al-Uzza. So remember, these were business deal, they were they were doing business. But there was some fallout that they had. And so the man says to him, Swear by Allah and Al-Uzza, as if to say, if you swear by them, we'll do business. Right? So Rasulullah he says, Ma halaftuhu bihi ma qat. I have never ever sworn by them. And I'm not going to swear by them. Rather, I'm only passing by. And he turned away from them. He turned away from them. And so this man was actually astonished by this. And he says, Al-qawlu qawluk. Whatever you say. Well, that's your opinion. But he also understood that all the other businessmen, they swear by this Allah and Al-Uzza, but they still cheat, they still lie, they still deceive. And this man is upright. He's standing by his principles and he refuses to swear. He sticks to his word. He sticks to his fundamentals, you know. And what happened? They did business. The man did business with him. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sold what he wanted to sell. And he, you know, made lots of profits and so forth. They got back in the caravan with Maysara. And they went back to Makkah. Um, so on the way back, they're traveling together. And it's known that Maysara, during this journey, remember this is some time they spend with each other, Maysara develops a great love for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa due to his character, due to his personality, due to his, you know, that purity of the man. And it was as if he was a slave of the Prophet sallallahu This is how he served him. He would do anything for him, as if he was his slave, but yet he was not. They were both workers for Khadija, and he was the slave of Khadija. He was a servant of Khadija, but working for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he loved him so much. He would go out of his way to assist him and do things for him. 
And so when they reach, approaching Mecca, approaching Khadija, Maysara says to him, Ya Muhammad, go ahead. Go to Khadija, you go to her first. I'll stay behind, you hadi ahead. And inform her what Allah has produced for her in terms of prophets, what Allah has given her. And this has come through you. Inform her of this so that she knows, right? What we've brought and what you have actually brought. So Maysara, he could have also taken the, you know, his fair share, but he, out of his affection for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says to him, you go ahead and you tell her what, you know, what we've earned and so forth. Until he enters Mecca in the hour of Dhuhr, Madnoon, right? About 12, 12 o'clock in the afternoon and so forth. And Khadija radiallahu anha is on a balcony and she sees them coming. She sees um, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa upon his camel. And at the same time, there are two angels that are shading him as he's coming through the desert. So perhaps she, they could not see the angels, but they saw he's shaded somehow. And her woman folk, her girls and women that were sitting with her, they too saw him and they were all, you know, in awe of this man, this, uh, amazed and impressed by him as he's approaching. They're all looking at him from the balcony. And he comes to her and he informs her of the profits that they made and, and how much they've earned and so forth. And of course, this makes her extremely happy as a businesswoman. And when May Sarah comes, um, he too informs her and she asks him about the journey, about this man, what happened. And he says, and he informs her about all what happened and about what he learned from the Prophet and what he saw of great character and of trustworthiness, of uprightness from the time they left up until they reached Sham. And then he informs her about what Nastur, the monk, said about him, that he is the last of the Prophets. Um, and then Khadija, she, her prophets that she made was double what she would normally have made. Her prophets from that, that journey was double what she normally makes. And then she, of course, gave him double what he normally makes. So there was, of course, again, barakah in the dealing for both of them, not just for him, but also for her. Right? She also made double in terms of her prophets what she usually made. And she then... Um, pays the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam double as well. Taib, so this is an incident that happened that's that's documented. Although some ulama argue over some of the authentic authenticity of it, Allah knows best. The next issue is the, the marriage of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to Khadija radiyallahu anha. Firstly, Khadija, she was. The Sayyidah Nisa'i Quraysh. She was the leader of the women of the Quraysh. Meaning she was the, the best of them. She was the most honorable and the most noble of the ladies of the Quraysh. She was known as the lady of the Quraysh. وَتُسَمَّ الطَّاهِرَةِ And she was also called الطَّاهِرَةِ What does Tahira mean? It's a common name that we have. Tahira means pure. So she was also referred to as At-Tahira, the pure one, the pure woman, because she was known for her chastity. She was known for her purity and her chastity. And she was also a woman that was very much intelligent, at her senses, rational, 
and very wealthy. Imam ibn Hajar, rahimahullah, he says that Khadija was Sayyidatun Nisa'il Alameen fi zamanina or fi zamaniha. In her time, she was the best of the women of the worlds. Ummul Qasim, this is her kunya, she was the mother of Al-Qasim, Ummul Qasim. Like we have, you know, Abu Sarah and Abu so-and-so and Abu, Abdu, Abu Abdullah. She was Um. The woman we refer to as Um so-and-so. Um Maryam, Um Fatima. She was Ummul Qasim, the mother of Al-Qasim. Al-Qurashiyah, she was a Qurashi woman, also from the Quraysh. And he says she was of the woman who was complete. Yani she was not naqisat, you know, like we spoke about the hadith of naqisat wal-aql, some women who are deficient in their intellect, right? We've spoken about this previously. Ibn Hajar says she was not like this. She was not deficient in her, in her intellect. She was a woman who was extremely wise and she was very intelligent, which means she was not overcome by her emotions and by irrational thinking at times, which is known for some women, that they are like this, as Allah created them. But Khadija was not like this, right? She was intelligent and she controlled her emotions and also religious and very much noble. She was from the people of Jannah, as we have hadith that mentions us about her. And the Prophet sallallahu used to praise her extremely and, and often, even after her death, he used to continuously speak about Khadija and praise Khadija. And he used to prefer her over his other wives, even though he only married them after her death. He still used to long for Khadija. He still used to speak about Khadija radiallahu anha. And he used to always speak about her, her status. She was the first one to marry the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. She was the daughter of Khuwaylid ibn Asad ibn Abdul Uzza ibn Qusay. So she, her lineage goes up to Qusay, which is where she and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in their lineage, they are connected because his lineage also goes up to Qusay. Understand? Um, so in terms of lineage, she was also the closest to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Um, and he did not marry anyone from this lineage except her and eventually Um Habiba. Um Habiba also was married from a similar lineage. In Jahiliya, she was referred to as a Tahira, as we said, that pure, chaste woman. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, he married her 15 years before prophethood. 15 years before prophethood, he married her. Meaning she was wealthy of a high class and nobility. And all of the children of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came from Khadija except for Ibrahim. All of the children of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came from Khadija except for Ibrahim. And Ibn Hajar continues and he says, she was also the first one who believed in Allah and the Messenger. And she believed in everything that he came with. And she made his affairs easy. She made the affairs of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam easy. The burdens that he had to bear, she made it easy for him. She stood by him as a pillar of strength. And she did not hear anything that disliked him except that she would respond to it. If anybody said anything about it, she would defend him. 
she would honor him. And he returned to her whenever things became difficult. He would go and he would seek his comfort with Khadija radiallahu anha. And we know the story when he first received wahi. When he first received wahi, um, he returned to her and he said, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, Dathiruni, Dathiruni, cover me, envelope me. And she was the one who consoled him. She was the one who comforted him. She was the one who, um, you know, stood by him and so forth. Without any doubt in his message, without any doubt in whatever he came with. And Ibn Hajar then says that she was the best of the women of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam according to the correct view. And there's obviously dispute over this. Is it Aisha? Is it Khadija? This he says it is, it is Khadija radiallahu anha. And then he mentions a hadith in Sahih Bukhari that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or rather that Abu that Jibreel, sorry, that Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu said that Jibreel came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, Ya is Khadija. Ya is Khadija. She has come with a vessel, within it is some food and some drinks. And when she comes to you, فَقْرَأْ عَلَيْهَا السَّلَامِ مِنْ رَبِّهَا وَمِنِّي When she comes to you, recite or mention salam upon her from her Lord and from me. وَبَشِّرْ هَا بِبَيْتٍ فِي الْجَنَّةِ And give her glad tidings of a house in paradise. مِنْ قَصَبٍ لَا صَخَبَ فِيهَا وَلَا نَصَبٍ Give her this glad tidings of this house in Jannah, which is made of a thread of hollowed pearls, where there is no noise in it, nor any toil or fatigue or trouble. And this hadith is in Sahih Bukhari. So these are just some of the virtues of Khadija, which the author mentions from the speech of, or from the writings of Imam Ibn Hajar, um, Rahimahullah. So when Khadija, she heard about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his amanah, the way he was as a responsible man, and his excellent akhlaq, and his truthful speech, she realized the virtue of the man. And she felt this is like the thing that she had lost out of her life. This is what she needed in her life. And she also knew that he was not a man who was chasing temptation. He was not someone who was chasing wealth or any wants or desires. She knew he was an upright, trustworthy individual. And so she spoke to one of her closest friends whose name was Nafisa. Nafisa binti Munayya. Her close friend, her close friend, Nafisa, the daughter of Munayya. So her friend was na, not Nafisa, right? We say in Cape Town, we say Nafisa. It's actually Nafisa, which means the precious one. Nafisa. So she spoke to her about him, and she goes to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And she speaks to him about Khadija. And this is how things work. You know, this is how people get married. You see someone you're interested in, you hear about a potential spouse, you speak to someone that you trust and you inform them, you know, go speak to her or speak to her father or whatever, you know, and, and like that you get the ball rolling. And so Nafisa, she narrates to us the story and she says 
that Khadija bint Khuwailid was a woman who was strong-willed, steadfast, she was unflinching, gritty. So this is the character of Khadija and this is, subhanallah, this is so important that women can learn from this. Women should really strive to be like this. She was a woman who was strong-willed. She was steadfast. She was, she didn't budge. She knew what's right. She stood for what she was, you know. And she was brave. She was brave and she was enduring. And this is again traits of a righteous woman that really the woman should try to incorporate within themselves. Someone who can endure hardship. Someone who can endure struggles. Someone who can endure difficulty. Because this is what's required of a woman. And if you look at the success of Rasulullah who was behind him? From day one, this was the woman who was his pillar. This was his support. That when he went home, he didn't face difficulty. When he went home, he didn't have more burden. When he went home, things became easy. When he went home, she made his affairs lighter. She eased his, thing, his, his thought process. She comforted him. She, you know, reassured him. This was the, the character of Khadija, radiallahu anha. And she was also respectful. This doesn't mean that because she was of the noble woman, that she was strong-willed, that she was enduring, that she was also rough. That she was also, also rude. That she was also abrupt. She was also respectful. She was, you know, a person of esteem and nobility and a woman of goodness and khair and all types of blessing. So this is the way women should strive to be, especially when they become, you know, wives and spouses and so forth and mothers. This is the character that a woman should strive for. So she speaks about her friend Khadija and she says, she was at the time the best of the women of the Quraysh in terms of her lineage. Nobody was more noble than her. And she was the most honorable of them. And she was also the most wealthy. She had the highest lineage, the most noble, and she was also the wealthiest of them all. And there were many suitors who were after her. Naturally, many men came and they proposed to her, showing her what they had of wealth and status and property and so forth. But she rejected them one after the other. So then she sent me Dasisan ila Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Dasisan means she sent me in secret, quietly. Nobody knew. She sent me, you go, this is the thing, this is who he is. This is what we know about him. You go to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And so she goes. This is after he returns, obviously, after the journey to Sham, doing business for her. And so Nafisa goes to him and says, Ya Muhammad, ma yamna'uka anta tazawaj. What's stopping you from getting married? So he says, I have nothing to get married with. He is not, he doesn't have wealth. So Nafisa says to him, what if that's not, that's not a requirement? What if I show you someone that's wealthy, that's beautiful, that has wealth and honor and status, and you don't need any of those things. You don't need any, anything really if you were to marry her. So Rasulullah says, فَمَنْ هِيَ who, Who's this woman? Who can you be speaking about? So she says, Khadija. And so Rasulullah says, How? How is this going to happen? How can I? And so she says, عَلَيَّ Leave it to me. I'll take care of it. 
And so Nafisa says, I went and I informed Khadija that he's interested. Clearly from what she could see, he's interested. And so Khadija sent me to inform him of a particular time. This will be the time, the hour and so forth. She sent me to her uncle who was Amr ibn Asad to marry her off. Uh, because her, her father had died before that battle of Fijar that we spoke about. Which was just months, months uh, actually a few years before this. Right? Actually a few years before this. So her uncle was then obviously informed of this. Then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi mentions this to his uncles. And they are all in approval of this. And they are happy that, you know, it's Khadija. Again, she's the most noble of the women. And so he goes with his uncle, Abu Talib, and his uncle, Hamza, radiallahu anhu, until they meet Amr ibn Asad, this uncle of Khadija. Right? Amr ibn Asad is the uncle of Khadija, radiallahu anha. And this is where the khutbatun nikah is done. This nikah, or this contract of the nikah is then... Um, People then are obviously uh, witness to this. And all of the heads, the heads of the society, they come. Abu Talib stands up and he says, Alhamdulillahi ja'alana min dhuriyati Ibrahim. And he gives a khutbah. And he says, we'll praise you to Allah who made us from the offspring of Ibrahim and from the bloodline of Ismail and from the people of Ma'd. We spoke about this people, this rough, tough people of Ma'd, from the offspring of these people as well, from the lineage of these people. And he made us the guardians and the managers of the affairs of the haram. And he made us, he made for us a house that is pilgrimaged. Hajj takes place in this house that we are in charge of. And a haram that is safe and secure. And he made us uh, leaders upon the people. And hukam, you know, rulers over the people. And then he said, and this nephew of mine, Muhammad, the son of Abdullah, he cannot be compared to any man in terms of his honor and his nobility. And his status and also his intelligence. No man can compare to him. And if it's regarding wealth, because remember the Prophet ﷺ was not wealthy. But if it's regarding wealth, he says, then wealth is it's a transient shadow. It comes and it goes. It's something which is It changes all the time. It comes and it goes. What is wealth? That's not something to judge by. Abu Talib is saying. And then he says, Muhammad is someone, those who are close to him, they know him the best. And we are now offering this engagement, this, this offer of nikah to you. Seeking from you, your honorable Khadija. He gives this khutbah basically. And it's accepted from Amr on behalf of Khadija. And the nikah is then done. And they get married. And they have a... Uh, the Prophet ﷺ then slaughters two camels. One or two camels. And they have a banquet. You know, a walima. And they feed the people and so forth. And this was of course the first woman that he... That he married. His first wife, of course, was Khadija bint Khawalid, radiallahu anha. And walam yatazawaj alayha ghayraha. He did not marry any other woman whilst he was married to 
to Khadija only after her death did he go and get married again. Okay? There is a weak narration that the Sheikh mentions here, which basically, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It basically says that the father of Khadija was alive and he accepted the nikah, but he was drunk. And when the next day when he woke up and he saw her all dressed up, in a, you know, in a jewelry and everything, he became angry and said, what's happening? She said, I'm getting, you married me to Muhammad. And she's, the father then became angry and said, I married you to that orphan that's looked after by Abu Talib. Never ever. And then she becomes angry. This whole story is actually inauthentic. Okay? So if you come across these narrations, just remember these are inauthentic narrations. Because the father had already passed away years before. Just after the Harbul Fijar, which we said, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam at the time was 15 or 20 years old, according to different narrations. Now he's 25. So we're talking 5 to 10 years later, after her father had passed on. So these narrations are inauthentic for that reason and other reasons as well. The age of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he married Khadija. Um, this is a well-known that he was. 25 years old when he married Khadija. And this was about two months after he returned from that journey to Sham to do business for her. And the age of Khadija at the time was 40 years old according to the well-known opinion. According to the well-known opinion. On this issue there is a big dispute between scholars uh, over the age of Khadija. Right? So some ulama say 40 years old. And then there are others who argue and say she was about 28 years old or 20, even 25 years old, some say. Okay, now firstly, there's no authentic narration that mentions her age at the time of marriage. There's no authentic narration that mentions her age at the time of marriage. Some narrations say 40, some narrations say 28. So some ulama went with 40, some went with 28. Understand? Some of the reasons that they mentioned, some of them said, she could not have been 40 because she gave birth to Fatima radiallahu anha after prophethood. And when did prophethood happen? 15, no, no, yes, 40 years of the Prophet, which is 15 years later. So which means she would have been over the age of 55 to 56 years old. So some of them argue and say that's a time when she's too old to give birth. You understand? She was a woman who gave birth to all the children of the Prophet ﷺ except for Ibrahim. And if we're saying all of this happened after this age of 40 and up, then this is unlikely. Because women, by their nature, as they get to this age, they stop. You know, their fertility goes away and so forth. So that's some of the arguments that they make. How they respond to this, the second group? They would respond to this by saying, it's not impossible. And secondly, the wife of Ibrahim said, Ya waylata a'alidu wa ana ajuzun wa hadha ba'li shaykha. When the angels came to her and said to her, we've given you glad, glad tidings of a son. And she said, Ya waylata, how is this possible? Me, giving birth. I'm an old woman. And my husband, Ba'li, he's a shaykh. He's also an old man, Ibrahim, alayhi salam. And it is said that she was about 99 years old. When this happened, Allah Allah can do whatever He wants. So to say that she's not, it's not possible after that age, 
other group of scholars say this is not accepted. So they say it's possible that she could have been 40 and up. Um, when, I mean, while she was giving birth. Another argument is that there's a hadith of Aisha, radiallahu anha, where she would become jealous. Remember, they used to honor Khadija. And Aisha is now a young girl, young woman, growing up. Khadija has passed on. And she said once, um, what is it with that old woman? She's a Jew, she's an old woman. And her teeth had fallen out. Khadija's teeth had fallen out. So Aisha said this out of, you know, out of jealousy, out of, out of uh, being emotionally worked up. Because it was like a co-wife, you know. She, she felt she was the most beloved. But the Prophet always praised Khadija, Khadija. Not to say she disliked Khadija or hated Khadija. This was just natural jealousy of a woman. It's normal. And so, um, the scholars say, this proves that she must have been an old woman when she passed away. If we say that she was 40 when she got married, they were married for 25 years. Which means she died at the age of 65, which is an old woman. But if we say she was 28, and they were married for 25 years, then at the age of death she was what? 53 years old, which is not an old woman whose teeth would have fallen out. So they take that hadith and say she was clearly older. She was not a younger woman. Allah knows best. The point is, there is the dispute. Some say 28, some say 40. And like this they argue with different you know, reasonings that they have come with. Um, but there's no clear-cut, authentic narration that gives the specific age. But the majority view is 40 years old. The majority view is 40 years old, and Allah Azza wa Jal ultimately knows best, right? Um, so Khadija radiallahu anha, she was also previously married. And this is also one of the other arguments that the group of scholars make. They say she was married twice. And she had given birth to a few kids. So she could not have been 28 years old. By the time she marries Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa although that is also debatable. She could have. If she got married young, divorced, married, or her husband passes away, married again, it's possible that you're 28 years old. Uh, that, I mean, that argument could be debated as well. So Allah knows best. The point now is though, she was married previously, before she married Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and she was married twice. Her first husband was Atiq ibn Aid. Atiq ibn Aid, and she gave birth to Abdullah from him and also a girl by the name of Hind from her husband Atiq. Atiq then passes away and she then marries a man by the name of Abu Hala ibn Malik min Bani Tamim from the tribe of, tribe of Bani Tamim. She marries the man Abu Hala ibn Malik. Um, his name was also Hind. So, she has a daughter Hind, and now her husband's name is also Hind. Okay? And then she gives birth to a, a son, whose name is Hala, Halatun, Hala. And another boy, whose name is also Hind. So, she's got a daughter Hind, then a son from her next husband Hind, and her husband's name is also Hind. Okay? And a girl by the name of Zainab. A girl by the name of Zainab. So that's three children, about five children, right? In total. That she had from her previous marriages. Atiq, first husband, and the second husband was 
Abu Hala ibn Malik. The Prophet after then marrying her, stays with her in her home, in her house that she had stayed in, and she gives birth to all of his children, and she also dies and passes away in this house. She passes away in this house. And the Prophet he remained there, staying in this place, in the same house, until he left to Medina for Hijrah. Until he left uh, uh, for Hijrah to Al-Madina. So where did they stay? In her home. She st- they stayed in her home up until she passed away, up until eventually they left Mecca to Al-Madina. Um, the children of the Prophet ﷺ from Khadija, we said that she gave birth to all of the children except for Ibrahim. Ibrahim's mother was Maria Al-Qibtiyah. Maria Al-Qibtiyah. So Maria bintu Shamun. Her name was Maria, the daughter of Shamun. She was given as a gift to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Muqawqis, who was the patriarch of Alexandria in Egypt. One of the rulers in Egypt. Muqawqis, his name was Muqawqis. He was the patriarch of Alexandria. He gifted Maria to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the seventh year after Hijrah. In the seventh year after Hijrah. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had her, but he was not married to her. He was not married to Maria. Understand? Um, she uh, passes away in the Khilafah of Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu anhu, and she is the one who, she is the one who um, gives birth to Ibrahim. She is the one who gives birth to Ibrahim. Okay. So, meaning? Yes. Concubine. So that used to be permissible because they used to uh, own, like a slave woman, for example, and it's permissible to to have intimacy with them, as the Quran says, right? As the Quran mentions this. Um, وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ لِفُرُوجِهِمْ حَافِظُونَ إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ أَوْ مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُهُمْ That the believers are those who protect their private parts. Right? Meaning they don't indulge in any haram. They don't fulfill their the desires through any way except through إِلَّا عَلَىٰ أَزْوَاجِهِمْ With their spouses. Right? Oh, oh, that which their right hand possesses. Understand? That which their right hand possesses. And this was Maria Al-Qibtiya as an example to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they could be intimate with their wives and also slave women that they owned with their right hand. Understand? So this was the example of Maria Al-Qibtiya that the Quran obviously makes it halal for them. This is not existing today in today's time, of course. Understand? This doesn't mean, of course, that you have a a female worker or someone works in your home for example and she's your slave or your it's obviously completely different those were the days of slavery which has been abolished which has been removed understand 
طيب so Ibrahim was born from Maria Al-Qibtiya was binti Shamun was given to him by Muqawqis was the ruler of Alexandria in Egypt and she eventually gives birth to Ibrahim as to the rest of the children they come from Khadija طيب who was the first of the children before prophethood the first child was Al-Qasim the first child was Al-Qasim and this is, this is where his kunya comes from. He is Abu Al-Qasim, right? He is Abu Al-Qasim, Abu Al-Qasim. And then the Sheikh mentions a hadith, a very weak hadith, okay, from, that's found in the book of Ibn Majah, from Hussein Ibn Ali, that he said, when Al-Qasim passed away, the son of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Khadija radiallahu anha said, Ya Rasulullah, darrat lubaynatul Qasim. The milk of Qasim's mother is overflowing. Falaw kana Allahu abqahu hatta yastakmila rada'ahu. And she said, would that Allah had let him live until he completed his breastfeeding. So she said this out of sadness that her milk is still flowing. Because he was still a small baby, young boy. And if only Allah let him live until he completed his breastfeeding. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna itmam rada'ihi fil jannah. The completion of his breastfeeding will be in jannah. And so Khadija says, Law a'lamu thalika ya Rasulullah, lahawwana alayya amrahu. Had I known that, O Messenger of Allah, if I were to truly know this, it would have made things easy for me. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, In shi'ti da'awtu Allah fa'usmi'aki sawtahu. If you want, I will ask Allah that such that he, I will make dua to Allah that he allows you to hear his voice. The voice of Ibrahim. Sorry, Al-Qasim, who is in Jannah. So she says, Ya Rasulullah, bal usaddiqu Allah wa Rasulah. Rather, I believe and I trust Allah and the Messenger. So that although the hadith is, very, very weak. طيب, but this is a hadith that's narrated regarding the death of Al-Qasim and, and the dialogue that happened between Khadija and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Al-Qasim was number one. Then Zainab. Then Zainab. She was the eldest of the daughters of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and also the first of them to get married. The first of his daughters to get married was Zainab. She married Abu al-As ibn al-Rabi' al-Absi, who was her cousin. So she married her first cousin, who was the son of her khalah. The son of her khalah, meaning, what is your khalah? It is your maternal auntie. Your maternal auntie. So she married Abu al-As, who was the son of her khalah. Ibn Rabi' and his mother was Hala bint Khuwaylid. Hala, meaning the sister of Khadija, right? Khadija's sister's son. Zainab gets married to him. Zainab, of course, accepted Islam and she made hijrah with her father, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and she died in the eighth year after hijrah. She died in the eighth year after hijrah. 
So Abu firstly is Al-Qasim, then we have Zainab, then we have Ruqayyah, then we have Ruqayyah, who was born whilst Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was 33 years old. At the age of 33, his third child is born, Ruqayyah. Who did she get married to? Who was her husband? Huh. She gets married to Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu in Mecca and she makes hijrah with Uthman to the to Habasha to Ethiopia. She goes on the first trip to, of hijrah to Ethiopia and she gives birth to a son whose name is Abdullah. She gives birth to their son who is Abdullah and this is what Uthman's kunya is, Abu Abdullah, the father of Abdullah. And radiallahu anha, she passes away on the day of the happening of Badr. The day the battle of Badr took place, she passed away. She was not part of the battle, but she passes away on the same day. And um, she is then buried on the day when Zayd ibn Haritha comes with the good news that they had won the battle of Badr. This is the same day when she is buried. Okay? After Ruqayya comes Umm Kulthum. Umm Kulthum. Umm Kulthum, radiallahu anha, was the one who was just older than Fatima. And she also married Uthman ibn Affan after the death of her sister. This is why Uthman is known as the Nurain, the owner of the two Nurs. The two lights because he married two of the daughters of the Prophet This was not obviously given to anyone but him. So he then marries Umm Kulthum after the death of Ruqayyah. Um, and this is in Jamad al-Akhirah in the third year after Hijrah. And she did not give birth to any children to Uthman. And she dies in the year 9 of the Hijrah, the ninth year of the Hijrah. And the Prophet ﷺ prayed her janazah. The Prophet ﷺ, he prayed her janazah. So she was for about six years with Uthman, and then she passes away as well. And then comes Fatima. Then comes Fatima bint Rasulullah ﷺ, Sayyidatu Nisail Alameen fi zamaniha. The best of all of the women in her time, and also the, 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 the leader of the woman of, of Jannah. And she is the youngest of the daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fatima is the youngest daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she was born in the year Ihda wa Arba'ina bin Mawlidin Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when he was 41 years old, Fatima was born. When he was 41 years old, Fatima was born. And then she passes away six years, sorry, six months after, after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, Fatima passes away and she's the first of the family to be reunited with him after his death. And her janazah was prayed by Ali ibn Abi Talib who was her husband. And she was how old? She was 29 years old, some say 30 years old, and some say 35 years old when she passed away. So 29 or 30 years old, Allah knows best.
right? So, fil islami Abdullah. Thumma wulda fil islami Abdullah. After Fatima comes, Abdullah. Abdullah, right, was also known as At-Tayyib and At-Tahir. His nickname was also the pure. At-Tayyib and At-Tahir, the pure one. Because he was born after prophethood. He was born after prophethood. This is why he was known as the pure one. And then the Sheikh mentions that his sons, they passed away whilst they were still small and very young. And Al-Qasim, he passed away after he was just able to walk. He was just able to, to walk. Some say he was just able to ride uh, like a donkey or something. And then Abdullah passed away who was tiflun saghir, and he was still a young baby. As for the daughters of the Prophet sallallahu then all of them, they lived until they reached the days of Islam. So they were born before prophethood and they lived until the days of Islam. They accepted Islam and they married, they lived, they grew up, they married. And all of them also passed away in the life of the Prophet sallallahu except for Fatima radiallahu anha. She passes away six months after her father. So the two sons died at a young age. Al Qasim was just able to walk, some say, some say he was just able to ride. Uh, and Abdullah passed away when he was a small baby. As for the, the girls, they grew up, accepted Islam. When the days of Islam came, they got married. And, but still, they all passed away during the lifetime of the Prophet, except for. Fatima who dies six months after his death, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What then happened was is the mushrikeen, the enemies of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would taunt him and try to degrade him or shame him because of this, because of his sons rather. So what they would do was is they would taunt him by saying that his lineage had been cut off. His lineage had been Cut off. Why? Because all of his sons had died. Because all of his sons had, had died. So Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, he narrates and he says, when Al-Qasim passed away, who was the first of the sons who passed away in Mecca, and then Abdullah passed away, the second son, Al-As ibn Wailin, he said, and he was one of the Qurayshis, the, the powerful of the Quraysh and the you know, the, the oppressors that we mentioned, for example, we mentioned his name when we spoke about the, the Hilf, that alliance that was formed. It was after he took the goods of that Yemeni man and refused to pay him. The same individual. He says, Al-As ibn Wa'il, he says that the Prophet ﷺ, his sons have been taken away, his lineage is cut off, and therefore he is Abtar. Abtar. Where do you, you know this name, this word from? Abtar. Abtar means, they used to say someone is Abtar when he has no sons. When his sons have been um, <coughs> taken. Abtar, they used to say he's Abtar. And then Allah Azza wa revealed the ayah, Inna shani'aka huwal Abtar. Inna shani'aka huwal, huwal Abtar. 
So, Al-Hafidh Ibn Kathir on this ayah, he says that when they used to say he's abtar, they used to say that his lineage has been cut off. Ibn Kathir says, Hasha wa kalla. He said, never, ever, nay, never, ever. But rather, Allah had preserved his remembrance for all the words, for all the worlds to see. And Allah obligated on all of the servants to follow his laws. Which will continue forever through all of time. Until the day of resurrection and gathering and, and the year after, the coming of the year after. Salawatullahi wa salamhu alayhi da'iman ila yawmi tanad. He says, and may peace and blessings be upon him forever until the day of assembly. And as if, you know, Ibn Kathir is saying it's, it's impossible to say he's cut off. But look how Allah has blessed him. Look how his legacy lives on. Look how his, you know, his, his, his lineage goes through his sunnah, goes through, goes through following him. And that's why Allah said, Rather it is your enemies, those who hate you, they are cut off. They are the ones who are cut off from goodness, from khair, from barakah, from forgiveness, from mercy, and so forth. Al-Duktur Muhammad Abu Shahba, rahimahullah, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed and he has perfect hikmah and wisdom that none of the sons of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would live. And he says perhaps this is because this is to protect them, the sons, from becoming a reason or a motive of becoming a fitna for the people, such that people would claim that they too are prophets. Imagine they live that he's the son of Rasulullah. After his death, they would have said, This is the next prophet. So to protect them from that great fitna, perhaps this is one reason why Allah took them away. But Allah provided him, Allah gave him sons to complete his fitrah, to complete his, that insaniyah, you know, that, that, that humanity side of him, of a man. You want sons. Allah gave him this to complete this aspect of his manhood and of his, his, his humanity. And so that nobody can also say anything against him. No enemy can come and say, He's lacking in his manhood. He had no sons. Rather, he had sons. Nor can anybody fabricate lies against him and make up stories and say he had no children, he had no sons. But Allah took them away whilst they were small and young. And another reason this could be is because it could be as a solace, a condolence or a comfort for those whose sons have also passed away. Or for those who have no children. This is also a solace for them. When they hear that, the most beloved of Allah also lost his children. The most beloved of Allah also went through this difficulty. He also had to face these tests. So it's not just you. It's not Allah's hatred upon you. It's also a type of condolence that we can give them. That this also happened to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Another reason this could also be is, it's also one of the types of tests. A test upon the Prophet. As the hadith says, the most severe of people in, in regards to their test is who? Is the Anbiya. 
The people who face the most severe of tests are the Anbiya. And then those who are most like them. And then those who are most like them. So these are some of the reasons why what this scholar is basically deriving and saying. This could be why they, they were passed on. To protect them from becoming a fitna. For people who would claim that they are the prophets or the last prophet. Or as a condolence for those who have lost their children who have not been given children. Or to complete his uh, you know, humanity side and so that nobody can say he had, he had a shortcoming in terms of his manhood. Like his enemies would make up stories about him. No, he had sons. But it's also a type of test that Allah gives. Allah sends upon those whom he loves. And the people who have faced the most severe of tests are the Anbiya. And this was one of his severe tests. That all of his children, not only his sons, but all of his children died in his lifetime. Except for Fatima radiallahu anha. And so this is some of the tests that he had to face, of course, like many others. But this was one of the major tests. And this hadith about when he buried his son, when he buried Ibrahim, for example, his eyes were overflowing with tears. And everybody around him, they were crying because they could see how much he loved his son. Imagine when our children become sick, how it affects us. How worried we become. We become a wreck. We start to panic. We run from pillar to post to do this and to do that. The Prophet ﷺ had to bury six of his own children. Not one, not two. He had to bury six of his own children. And when he buried them, he, he cried and he wept. And he said, you know, the eyes, they overflow with tears. The heart is sad. But we only say that which is pleasing to Allah Azza wa His iman was still strong. His belief in Allah was firm. And he was unwavering in terms of his faith. Because he knew this is a test from Allah. And he knew what's to come is going to be even better. That in the akhirah they will be waiting for him. They will be welcoming him at the doors of paradise. Allah unite us with him in paradise. Amin Rabbil Alameen. We'll stop here today inshaAllah. Next week we'll speak about the building of the Kaaba. And how he protected... Uh, and prevented some fitna from occurring and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik shadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk yes Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure.